Welcome back to Seeking to Expand. As always, I'm Nick, and sitting with me is Corey. How you doing? And this episode is going to be our first installment of Strange Stories, where we are going to delve into things that are not necessarily proven and true, at least not the whole way around of the story, and we're going to just deep dive in and talk about some weird and freaky events. Yeah, they're just crazy stories. They're really interesting. It's going to be fun. Yeah, because that kind of stuff also really interests us, as well as like the really factual stuff interests us, too. So today we're going to talk about the real Men in Black and Skinwalker Ranch. Seeking to And we're back. And we're going to start off with the real Men in Black. I'm sure that a lot of people out there have heard of the Men in Black. The Men in Black were a comic book series. Uh, I don't remember who ran the comic book, but it was a very small, short-run comic. And then it got picked up to be made into a series of movies with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, and the mo- the newest one with uh, Thor and Valkyrie in it. <laughs> so you're gonna say <laughs> <laughs> but what you may not know is that they are actually rooted in like this myth folklore thing, which like is where these stories came from. That's where the comics themselves come from, all these stories that have been bounding around for decades now yeah I, I i didn't see any like truth like so this is all just like people's tales they don't they don't it's not proven or anything but it's crazy it's all conjecture and hearsay yeah. but it's nuts right it's yeah, a super it's, interesting uh phenomenon i guess yeah right? yeah from, yeah so these stories are very very similar to what the movies are right they're these two sometimes three men who are clad in all black suits with like black hats glasses, like, black yeah. cars, the mm-hmm. whole nine yards. And they come and they talk to people that have had alien or UFO experiences, and they essentially try to quiet them. And from what I, if I can remember correctly from what I was reading, they show up and tell them the story, even though they haven't told anybody the story. Like, they know exactly what they saw. Yeah, there's been a lot of um, cases reported, or I, I guess, I don't know, cases, that had been reported of people saying that, yeah, that, that the men in black would show up and know the exact events that happened to these people. Yeah, that's, that's, that's insane. That's weird, right? That's crazy shit. So I found this uh, list that's like the, the nine freakiest encounters of them, right? And so one of them, and it's actually the first one, and this was the one that I thought was like the most interesting. This guy, Dr. Herbert Hopkins, he was working as a consultant on a UFO case in Maine. And one evening, he received a strange phone call from a person who claimed to be a UFO activist, like part of the UFO community, right? Right. He was like an interested party that wanted to interview and talk to the doctor. And the doctor was like, okay, yeah, you know, I'm into that stuff too, so I'll talk to this guy. So he agrees to meet him. And when the guy meets him at the place that they were meeting at, he shows up and he's wearing a black suit with a black tie. And he said he had a really unusual facial appearance. He had no hair. He had no eyebrows. And he was extremely pale. Right? That's creepy. That's really creepy. This is weird. And the guy came to Hopkins' house, and when he gets there, Hopkins' dog just starts going crazy. He's going erratic. He's barking like nuts whenever the guy enters the house. Like, the dog does not like this person. Right. Right? Senses something's up. Yeah. It's like this bizarre person enters the house. The dog freaks out. At this point, I'm like, all right, buddy, you got to (laughs) go. See you later. I don't care why you're here, but you have to leave. So throughout this talk, they... They sit down and they talk about, like, I guess the experience that Hopkins had, which I don't think he ever really fully says in this article what it was. 
Is this not the one where they're out on the boat? No. Okay. They're in this house. But anyways, while they're sitting there talking, the man in black tells Hopkins, you have two coins in your pocket, which was true. He did. And he asks him to pull one of them out. And he pulls out a penny. And he holds it in, like, in the palm of his hand. And the MIB agent tells him just to watch the coin closely. And after a few minutes, well, not even minutes, just after a few moments, the coin took this silvery appearance. And it's, it's a penny, so it's copper. Right. It took this silvery appearance, and it started, like, going out of focus in his own eyes. Like, he's looking at it, but it's like he's losing focus on the, on the penny. And as he's losing focus, it, it's amplifying more and more and more until it just disappears and fades from his hand altogether. And it's just gone. All right, guy. See you later. Yeah. Get out of my house. And so the man in black agent tells him, stop talking about this stuff. Because essentially, more things can disappear. Oh, and then leaves. Damn. <laughs> right? Like, I can make a penny disappear. I can easily make you disappear. Right? See you later. So he, like, Hopkins obviously was really like shaken up about the encounter. So he followed this guy's advice and burned all of his files related to the cases he was working on. What an asshole. He Come burned every bit of it. And then he, he claims that after this, he had repeated phone troubles. And the phone company... Uh, the phone company said his line had been tampered with, so it, possibly his phone had been tapped after this encounter. Of course, yeah. And it was like a while before he ever spoke about this and told someone. Yeah, I don't know if I'd be telling people either. <laughs> no, I, I, I guess not. If you if you come into my house and you disappear things in front of my face, I, yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't think. Um, yeah, I think I'm done. Yep. I think that's my exit to the UFO UFOs game. UFOs are fake. <laughs> they don't exist. <laughs> So, there's another story that in 1955, Dr. Albert K. Bender, who was a well-written and extremely intelligent researcher, he, was, uh, he founded the International Flying Saucer Bureau, and he claimed in 1955 that he had evidence that he was going to unveil in a paper that would prove that the U.S. government, to one degree or another, had covered up proof of UFOs, that they knew they existed and they were hiding it, and he could prove it. That's a stout statement. Yeah, it's a staggering claim, right? Yeah. Well, then he claims... That one day he was visited by three men dressed in black. And they all warned him against pursuing the topic and, and pursuing UFOs any farther and to not go forward with his article or with his paper and to reveal anything. The event, like the experience with these three men in black agents, shook him so much that he shut down his research and closed the International Flying Saucer Bureau. He closed it. Many people that knew him after this encounter, well, people that knew him said that after this encounter, he was a changed man. He never acted the same again. He became very, like, erratic. He was always really anxious, and he was always afraid of stuff. And his, like, later works became almost unreadable. He just became a different person and no longer could do research. Jeez. Yeah. And then he continued to report that he was getting mysterious phone calls his entire life until he, his eventual death in 2002. That's that's how you bully someone. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, that is very nuts. Here's another one called the Solway Firth Spaceman Photo. So this guy, Jim Templeton, took a picture of his daughter one day in this field. And behind his daughter is this person wearing this, like, you can only see them from about the stomach up over her head. Okay. Because they're a little distance behind her. And they're wearing this white-looking shirt with, it's either they have white hair and their faces are like this metallic cover, or they're wearing some kind of weird mask. It's a really weird picture. But this person was not there when he took the picture. When he's getting the camera ready and he's looking at his daughter, there's no one behind her. Okay. He takes the picture. In the picture, there's no one there when he takes it. He has no cause for suspicion until he gets the picture developed. And this guy is there. He's just standing behind her. Yes. 
He took the picture to Kodak, and through their tests, they deduced that the picture was real and was not tampered with in any way whatsoever. And this is also before like Photoshop and stuff. Right. So he didn't mess with the picture. He has no idea who this person was or where they came from. The picture got some like notoriety when like a, a paper ran a story on it. And not long after that, he was visited by two quote unquote government agents who called themselves number nine and number ten. <laughs> They referred to themselves as 9 and 10. This is 9, this is yeah. 10. They demanded that he take them to where he took the picture at, which he took them to. They asked him about the event. He told him he didn't know anything. He didn't actually see the person there in person or in the lens when he tried to take the, when he took the picture of her. And the guys got real angry with him and like stormed off and he never saw him again. Why are you going to get angry at him? It's not, it's not his fault. I know, right? That's, that's really weird. But then later on, Templeton was contacted by two employees at a missile launch pad in Australia. Number 11 and 12. Templeton lives in America. And they claim they saw two figures that resemble the man from his photo on Launchpad security footage. Oh, shit. And apparently, the missiles at that site in Australia had been produced 20 miles away from the field where Templeton took that photo. What? That's... Oh, my God. <laughs> what? That just blew my mind hole. That's insane. That's crazy. Yeah. That was one of the ones on here I read that I was like, excuse me? Come yeah. again? Um. Was that meme with that dude shaking his eyes? Like, oh. <laughs> dude, that was nuts. That's crazy. That scared the hell out of me. Right? So, like, what would that? What is that? What could that be? Who's this random person? How are they in this dude's picture? And then them plus someone else that looks a lot like them in the same kind of uniform and like garb in Australia. What do they have to do with these missiles? I don't. I don't think I want to know. And why are the men in black interested in him? And why were they upset when the guy didn't have information? Because usually the men in black seem to show up and be like, stop talking about stuff. Yeah. But in this case, they showed up to try to find information. He didn't have any, and they got mad. Mm. So this entity or men whatever. Men in white. Yeah. What's yeah. going on? Is this the show Lost? What yeah. are you doing? <laughs> no, yeah. That, that uh, man in white has a leg up on these guys, and they, has, they want some information from this dude. <laughs> like, holy crap. That's what, it, that's what it seems like just from reading that little blurb about it. That's terrifying. Here's another interesting one. Dan Aykroyd had a TV show shut down by the Men in Black. Really? So I, I did a whole lot of research on this, and I, had, I never saw that. So check this out. Dan Aykroyd at the time was making this show. What was it called? Hold on. Uh, I don't think there's a name for it. He was, making a sh- uh, he was taping a show about the paranormal, right? Okay. And he stepped out one night while they're, they're filming. He stepped out to like have a... Um, I don't know if he was taking a spoon break or whatnot, but he got a phone call while he stepped out from Britney Spears. And she was asking him if he would appear on her episode of Saturday Night Live. Okay. While he's on the phone, he notices across the road is a, a Ford. And out of the Ford, it's a black Ford. And out of the black Ford, a tall man gets out of the car and just stares Dan Aykroyd down. It's a tall man dressed in all black. Aykroyd's looking at him. He's like, this is uncomfortable and weird. Like he, t- he turns away from him for a second. Like Maybe he's pondering going back inside. But then he turns back to get another look, and the guy's gone. The car's gone. It's just not there anymore. And he's like, all right, well, that's weird. So he finishes up his phone call with Britney Spears, returns back to the studio, and he's been told is, when he gets back in there that the show's been canceled, and they stop filming immediately. So he his only encounter with this is just some dude staring him down across the, the street, street, comes back in. He's like, in the middle of filming an episode. This guy stares him down. He goes back inside, and they're like, hey, our show got canceled. We're done. And they just stop filming instantly. That's crazy. Yeah. That's nuts. And this doesn't so what say did, whether the show made it to air, but I've never heard of a paranormal show built Dan Aykroyd, so I'm assuming it was something that hadn't made it to air yet. It was in the planning stages, and they were just like they were doing like the pilot the process episode. Of filming stuff. Yeah. yeah, right? And then it got shut down. 
I wonder what 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 year was this? It doesn't say. It doesn't say what year? No. But like, you know, people of course doubt his doubt it, but Aqua has like been quoted as saying he knows what he saw. Like I don't even know what to think about that cuz it's like what did he have? Was it was it back in the earlier days where there wasn't a lot of information still on UFOs and paranormal activity and they were just like, "Hey, you're not doing this." I don't know. Like, oh my god. So here's a, a pretty uh, well-known and popular one for the men in black. UFO researcher Jack Robinson and his wife Mary began to experience extremely strange events as they pursued more alien and UFO-related re- research. They would come home to find their house rummaged and looked through, and their UFO, UFO files disturbed. Mary also began to notice a strange man in a black suit and hat staring up at their apartment from the doorway. Like She'd be in the doorway, and she'd notice this guy down outside looking up at him. Mary mentioned this activity to a friend who drove over and saw what she was talking about for himself. The friend, Tim Green Beckley, took a photo of the man and is believed to be one of the most ironclad pieces of proof of the men in black. And you can find this photo online. Okay. It's, it's a black and white picture. It's quite old, but it's a dude standing in an archway of a building looking across the street. And you can clearly see that he's wearing a black hat and he's wearing a black suit. And he's just standing there like staring up at her apartment window. We have ironclad evidence <laughs> right. that the MIB is real. <laughs> Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones made a documentary. Yep, that's exactly what it was. Is This is loosely based off of true events. <laughs> I wish the movie would have opened with that. It should have been. <laughs> loosely based off of true events. And then, of course, there's the, the Maury Island incident, which is one of the most notable ones. Yeah, it's, it's like w- the first encounter. Yeah, it's widely known. Right. So Harold Dahl and his son were salvaging logs on a fishing boat when they spied about six donut-shaped crafts flying in the air above them. The crafts dropped molten waste onto the lake, which allegedly kills Dahl's dog that's with them. Yeah. And injures his son. Injures his son, like falls on his arm, like burns his arm yeah. or something. Yeah, it kills his dog. Yeah. I'm pissed right <laughs> yeah, now. First of all, I'm angry as hell because yeah. you just murdered my dog. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing out here? Yeah. Then a few days later, after talking about the affairs with his boss and his friends, he was visited by a mysterious man dressed in all black. The man urged him to not discuss the encounter. Not long after, he was also visited by several Air Force agents who said they were to... Who, who said they were on a mission to quote-unquote gather information. Right. I guess like about his claim. Dahl's story got the attention of like a bunch of law enforcement agencies, including the FBI, who wrote up an actual report on the incident and on Dahl. Right, yeah. And you can find that report online. It's heavily redacted, but you can find it. And not long after the encounter with Man in Black, Dahl claimed the whole thing was a hoax. He said he just made it all up. Doesn't really, I don't know if he ever gave a reason why. But years after he said it was a hoax, he recanted that it was a hoax and said it was all true, but he was made to say that it was a hoax. Like he, he was, was like bullied. under pressure and stress. And because of that, he gave in under duress and said, yes, this is, he said, it's a hoax. I made it up. Because that seems to be the, that's the common denominator is they're all bullied mm-hmm. into saying, no, this isn't true. Nothing, none of that happened. I'm a crazy person. Yep. They're all bullied into either saying that it wasn't real or they just stopped research immediately. Yeah. They're bullied out of it completely. These guys are tier one assholes. <laughs> that's what they are. That's what it seems like. If any of these are true, yeah, that's what it seems like. Yeah, because this is you, you really you can't know for sure if this is true or not. It's all speculation on these men in black. Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, really, how do you prove something like this anyway? You can't. <laughs> There's no way to prove it. Well, what's crazy? It's been going on since like the '50s. That's when Harold yeah. Dahl's claim is. Sometime in the '50s. Then there's also someone, um, I don't remember who it was, and I'm, I'm not going to look up too much of it right now, but there's also someone that said uh, about 10 years, maybe 11 years after Doll's encounter, who claims that they made up the Men in Black, that they also had a story that came out and they created it, but Harold Doll's first account 
precedes him this person by like a decade. Okay. Yeah. So that very much seems like someone came out to be like, oh, I created it and it was all a lie to try to cover something up. Right. But the problem is that Doll's account happened 10 years before that person ever said that. Something's fishy there. And, Doll Some? and Harold Doll doesn't know this person. Right. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. That's, that's the nuts, huh? Oh, yeah. That was one of the most interesting things that I read. And I was like, oh, shit. Someone claimed that they created it, but they said it like a decade after the first reported incident. Which somebody wrote a book on it. It was like Chasing the Men in Black or something like that. Yeah, uh, I think was that's that? what that book, and I think that book is that person that like it's not real. Okay, they, cr- so they, they claim they created and made it up. But okay, yeah, the but book it, came out like ten years after Doll had talked about it. It was UFO- <laughs> ufologist, I think Nick Redfern wrote a book called The Real Men in Black. I think it's that book. I think that's the yeah, that's the book I was talking about there. I think it's that book. There's that was way sure off. been other books, but I think it's that. I think that's the book, but I uh, I'm not positive. I'm trying to look through this article to see. Uh, it may be Flying Saucers and the Three Men, which came out in 1962. That might be the book that a dude wrote and then later claimed that he created all that and it was all fiction. Right. But it came out far after the story. The original adult. claim yeah. of the Men in Black showing up. Mm-hmm. There's actually a lot of books on it. There's a book from 1970 called The Silver Bridge. There's another book called They Knew Too Much. And that's what it is. These <laughs> yeah. people knew, they knew too, too much. much. They knew too much. There's not a lot to go by on this. I just thought it was really, really interesting that... There could potentially be this small group of of individuals that are coming around and stifling the information. They're like, hey, shut your mouth. Aliens aren't real. Keep doing it and see what happens. What's also kind of interesting about it, if you want to get even like into the more weird side of it, is that some of the people that claim to have seen the men in black don't always claim them as... Humans. Men in black. Yeah, as, as humans. Yeah, they're, they're humanoid-looking people right. that wear all black, but sometimes they don't have a face. Sometimes they seem to vibrate. They're, they're, like, a, they're like energy that has yeah. manifested itself in a physical form, and they have like a bipedal shape like a human does, yeah. and they're clad in black, but they kind of like vibrate and shake like they're energy pulsing in and out. Yeah, that's getting into like the paranormal. Yeah, there was claims right. of people There's saying of that stuff they're that, red yeah. and orange eyes and... Glowing. Somebody said that looked like that one of them looked like a demon. Mm-hmm. Like eh. sometimes they're hovering off. Yeah, the ground. Yeah, hovering a couple like, of feet off the ground. You yeah. can deep dive into this and find some weird stuff. Yeah, this you can really go deep into the Men in Black. Who knows if it's true or not? All right. I know, the movies are great <laughs> for the well, most part. The first one, and I think for, for me, the first and the third are both really awesome. The second one's okay, and the newest one was not that good. It wasn't that good. No, you forced me to go see that crap yeah. movie with you. I they, was mad. They needed Will Smith. He, you can't have, he carries those movies. You can't have the Men in Black without Will Smith. Yeah, and Tommy Lee Jones, great actor. Yeah, but I mean, the third one did really well without Tommy Lee being in a lot of it. Honestly, I couldn't even tell you if I've seen the third one or not. Tommy Lee, uh, is it's when he's younger. Will oh, Smith okay. goes back in time, and I think Josh Brolin actually plays young Tommy Lee. So old Tommy Lee, his act, like actual Tommy Lee, I think is only in the end of it. Okay. Or maybe only in the beginning, something like that. Yeah, he's not in it a lot. Sounds trash. That one was really good. Just I like that one a lot. Sounds like trash. No, nah, dude. It's Will Smith and freaking Josh <laughs> Brolin. It was good. But anyways, yeah, I just thought that was like interesting too. Like, you know, it's strange stories, and this is strange. Like, yeah, that's it's a really weird strange phenomena that keeps happening to people. I don't want to be in- encountered with human men in black or paranormal demon men in black. I don't want any of it. Definitely not the paranormal ones. The, no. the human ones I could definitely deal with far better. 
Far yeah, better. you could easily deal with them a lot better, but I mean, you're still getting bullied. Like, hey, you know, we're we're gonna kill you if you keep going. You're gonna go home tonight. And they're gonna come to your house, and be like, we heard your podcast. You're like, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Stop talking about us. It's like, hey, we we can't podcast anymore. We're done. <laughs> we have to go back to only talking about stuff in space. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and I pulled almost all of that information off a website called ThoughtCatalog.com. And the article is nine freaky encounters with the real men in black that seri- that'll seriously give you the creeps. Just wanted to give them the credit for it because at times I was like straight up reading off it. I know you can tell. So now let's move on to the topic we were most interested in. I was really interested in Skinwalker Ranch. I heard on maybe the Bob Lazar podcast from Rogan. Rogan mentions it in passing really quick okay he says oh you know like he's like oh the skinwalker ranch and that's a whole nother bag to get into and like jamie corbell responds to him he's like oh yeah and they just move past it yeah so i remember hearing that then and being like oh i should look into that because joe rogan's been there yeah yeah Yeah, he's been to skinwalker ranch so i I think he had what he had like a tv show back then um shit what was it called i saw like a quick youtube clip of it and it seemed like he had like a tv show based on paranormal stuff oh i don't know what it seemed like because he was, it was going back and forth with the guy that he was on a, taking the tour with, Skinwalker Ranch. Was, was he taking a tour with Jesse Ventura? No, God, no. Jesse Ventura had that unexplained TV show for yeah, a while. Yeah, it wasn't Jesse Ventura. It was okay. some some kid. I was, I was probably in his mid twenties who would take people on tours of this. Ranch. Oh, I've heard of that person. Okay, okay. Yeah. Maybe it was that person's documentary, and they had Rogan in it. Okay, because it just, it would cut back mm-hmm. to, and it would look like you know Jogan's like making googly eyes, like okay, this kid's crazy. Like, this, <laughs> none of this is real, people. Like. But yeah, so I, I, he mentioned that like in passing, and the name is striking, Skinwalker. Yeah. And I was like, well, I've heard the name Skinwalker before, actually. It's like it uh, originates from like a, a Navajo myth, right? From yeah. Like the Navajo Indians. So I, I'd heard of that before. And I was like, oh, I need to look into that. And then totally forgot about it. And then I couldn't remember what it was called, and I couldn't remember where I had heard it, if it was a Rogan podcast, and if it was which one exactly it was. Yeah. And know if it was the Fravor one, or if it was the Lazar one. And then when we were talking about topics the other day, and you were like, Skinwalker Rants, I was like, oh my god, that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> this, I'm super excited about this one. This place is absolutely, it's terrifying, mm-hmm. it's crazy. And there's real facts about and there's it, too. A, yeah, there's real scientific facts. There's a lot of conjecture. There's a lot of first-person testimonial accounts yeah. that are only their words, right? Right. There's no pictures or video that accompanies it or audio. It's just, you gotta... You got to take what they're saying is true or you don't believe them. Yeah, it's just a grain of salt on, exactly. on some of these things. But then there are actual photographs of things. Yeah. And actual video footage of things that have happened on the farm or well, on the ranch yeah, on the that ranch. are proven and true. So that's what makes this one even more interesting is it's, oh, it's not just a strange story. There are also factual elements to it. Yeah. And those are my favorite kind of weird, strange stories where there are some factual elements rooted into it. But then there's a whole lot of other stuff where it's like, oh, man, is all this true too? Yeah. I don't know. And, and this place is... It's not a small ranch by any means. It's a massive ranch. Explain what it is for people. It's like 400, is it 460 or 480 acres of land? That's a lot. I thought it was like 512 or something. It was, I, a, it was, was a lot. I was reading, like on some of the articles I was reading, it was saying it was 510, 512. But the uh, documentary we just watched, they just said like 460 or 480, which I was like, what is it? Did they buy more property at some point? Mm, maybe or? maybe they lost some property. Maybe they did. Yeah, because it's uh, it's also right in the middle of the um, U- U- Unital? Unital, that's how you Unital, say it. which is also almost all that is owned by the tribe that lives there. Okay. Right? So maybe some of that land wasn't actually part of the original deal, so right. they didn't get it. So yeah, we're just going to say 460 acres, mm-hmm. which is 
a massive amount of land for this to be happening, not only just on this ranch, but in the town. Yeah, the All, whole town. The whole town. Of Unitol, right? Unis- it's, uh, it- What's the town called? There's three towns, actually, three in towns. that area. Yeah. And stuff happens in all of them. Yeah, it's... It's based in the, U- the Utah Basin, or the Unitaw yeah. Basin. Unitaw Basin. Yeah, which is a long stretch of land. It's crazy. Yeah. So explain what Skinwalker Ranch is for people. Yeah, I'm good. What is the basis of it? These people bought this ranch. It's th- there was encounters way back in, uh, if I remember correctly, in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. There was there was been encounters since the 1800s. It's yeah. a long time ago. But this there's been reported reported accounts right. on paper. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. So Skinwalker Ranch is it's a 460 acre ranch where all this crazy paranormal activity and like ufo sightings and all it's like a portal to another realm (laughs) it's insane of this crazy stuff crazy stuff all the stuff that these people see i mean you've got cattle mutilation you've got um, which is total documented totally documented oh yeah the documentation on that is is incredible what they show you in the documentary and the documentary we're talking about is called the hunt for the Skinwalker? Yeah. Or the Hunt for Skinwalker? Yeah, Hunt for Skinwalker. Or Hunt for the Skinwalker. Yeah. And it's by Jamie Corbell, who also did the Bob Lazar documentary. Yeah. Yeah, that's the do- when we keep seeing the documentary, that's what we're referencing. It's yeah. on Hulu if you want to watch it. So if you have Hulu, it's on there for free. Great documentary. It kind of lingers so, in some spots. You could probably go about 20 to 30 minutes shorter than what it is. It's a little bloated. But all the meat and potatoes of that oh it's such a good podcast it's a great (laughs) documentary i'm sorry the final like probably 65 70 minutes of it are just totally enchanting yeah Yeah. it's amazing awesome the first like probably hour of it almost it's like two hours and seven minutes it's like two hours and four minutes without credits yeah and almost the first 50 minutes it's like ooh, i could have dealt with about 30 minutes of this like we didn't need all this yeah we didn't need half of what was in here it was just a build-up to craziness and i get what he's doing he's trying to build up to it but it's like he spends too much time on the build-up to where like if i wasn't super interested in this i would have given up yeah i'd have turned it off after 30 minutes like oh my god come on you're not telling me anything yeah it takes a while before you get to like a really interesting story into it and then even more time to where you get the facts yeah yeah. It takes a while. Yeah, so um, what was the name of the, uh, the, the, original, first, the original, original family? So I it says, uh, supposedly their names are known. Yeah. But when, um, oh, what was his name? Uh, not Corbell, but the other, George Knapp. George Knapp. When George Knapp first went out there to do his Which stories is, with He's them. the original investigative reporter for w- all this crazy stuff that's happening in that He's been studying it for 20 years. He's been studying it for 20 years, mm-hmm. and he's, they started it in 97. 94. Is it 94? I was way off. I think. I think they bought it in 94 and they moved out in 96. So but but it could have been started. It, it could have been they moved in in 96, out in 98, and he started in 97. Yeah, I think Something he started like investigating it in 97. Yeah. So George Knapp might sound familiar to you because he is also the guy that did the first interview with Bob Lazar. He's, he knows his stuff. George Knapp is like. He's like the lead investigative reporter on like weird paranormal stuff. Right. right. And he tries to do it from a very objective standpoint, right? He just wants to document the stuff and get it out there. He doesn't try to come into it with a, oh, this is true, and we're going to tell you why it's true. He comes in with a, oh, this is interesting. Let's learn about this. Yeah. And his entire point of doing Skinwalker was to just gather all the data and release it and be like, we don't know what's going on. Help us figure it out. Right. Because they, they couldn't find, they didn't get any crazy encounters while, while he they, was there while he was there he tried but he, nothing happened yeah to nothing him. happened no, same like, thing for corbell corbell yeah. tried and nothing happened to him yeah he even it's says like they learn like you're looking here so they're gonna do what they did here over there mm-hmm. whatever is out there is one step ahead 
of the people who's trying to figure it out. They even one of the scientists out there even coined a term for that. Remember what was it? it was the initials were PSI, precognitive sentient intelligence. Yeah, that's what, that's it, what was. it was. Yeah, where it seemed like all these events, these phenomena that were happening, were connected, and there almost seemed to be this overlying intelligence to it, to where it never repeated events. Once never. they started trying to document it, yeah. it never repeated events. They never happened where they thought they were going to happen. They would have cameras out there. They had cameras everywhere. And events would happen just to the left or just to the right out of view. Yeah. Like somebody would be out there and experience a phenomena. And then they would see if the camera caught it, but they were just out of view of the camera. Just out of like, view. Convenient. Yeah, which was really convenient. And if it was a couple of people saying this, that's when I'd be like, okay, well, it's all BS. But, but this is there's a lot of people. Tons. Hundreds of people. We got ahead of ourselves. Oh, yeah. So the original family... Uh, George Knapp calls them the Gormans. He gives yeah. them a fake name. Okay, that's what it is. Just a fake name. Well, they, they but call they, them the, the real ranch. names are Terry and something else, Sherman. Okay, the Sherman family. The Sherman family. They just name. call him the rancher and his wife. <laughs> well, the one guy, the documentary, oh, yeah, he, he keeps, keeps trying to say the rancher and the wife, but he keeps saying Terry and so-and-so. He goes, the rancher and his wife. Yeah. <laughs> he keeps accidentally saying their names. Yeah, their story... Their story is their crazy. Their story is nuts. Yeah. So they bought this ranch because it had been like their dream or whatnot, I guess. Yeah. The husband their and wife. cattle ranch. They yeah. wanted to have like a nice cattle ranch and grow these cattle, not grow, uh, and raise this cattle, and that's what they were going to do. Yeah. And they had- Expensive cattle. One or two children? I think it was one. They had a child, and then at times, family was out there because there's stories with like his nephews, nephews out there with him still, yeah. too. Yeah. So when they move out there, they start experiencing weird events- Immediately, yeah, we're talking. It's within the, the the first day that they're there. I believe it's the first or second night they're there. Yeah, they're like they're still moving in at this point. Yeah, they're moving in furniture mm-hmm. into their. They, they have a homestead. There's like there's multiple houses here, but there's one main but homestead one that they main live homestead in. That they live in. They're moving mm-hmm. in, and it's nighttime. It's not like the middle of the night, but it is nighttime. I, w- I would assume it's probably evening. Yeah, it's not specific, and it's lightly drizzling outside. It's raining a little bit. It's not heavy rain. It's a mist. It's a yeah, misty day. That's what they describe it. It's like a misty rain. And right near the homestead, there's one of the cattle areas where yeah. they have where they have some they keep the calves in there. Yeah, they right? have a, a they few keep, calves in there. Keep a few of the young calves in there. And out in front of the homestead is a long, long, wide stretch of grassland. Yeah. So this homestead is in a basin. It's not a forest. There's not woods on the homestead. There are some areas where there's a lot of trees and there's some tall grass, but it's not a woods area like it's not like a, a park reserve or something like that. No, yeah. Most of it's flat land. This is Utah. It's, it's a cattle it's, raising area. Yeah. This yeah. Is Utah, it, it's got mountains and stuff, but it's like mm-hmm. hard clay exactly. rocks. Like, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's like red clay and stuff out there. So this is not like very wooded and hard to see. Like it, There's visibility for hundreds of yards in yep. every direction, almost everywhere you are. So the reason I'm saying this is because this large field that's in front of them, they can see all the way from the field to like the mountain out there, yeah. right? Or like the hill. That there's like a, there's like a small tree line. Yeah, and there's like a little tree line, yeah. but the tree line's not big. They're not big trees. So out from the tree line, they notice this really big figure. Yeah, come out and it's on four legs and it's walking towards them. And as it's it's like sauntering across the field, like it's not harmed. Yeah, it's, it's not worrying about what's going on, and it's coming up to them. Yeah, like. And at first, they think it's someone's dog. Yep. But as it gets closer, it's like, oh, it's much bigger than a dog. It looks like a wolf, and it looks huge. Yeah. The family would later be asked to just, uh, like to pick out what it looked like from a bunch of pictures. Yeah. And they the, the pictures, up, it has a horse, a dog, a, a wolf, wolf, and a dire wolf. And a dire wolf. And the wife pointed to the dire wolf. She goes, that's exactly what it was. And, and dire, dire wolves, wolves extinct for 
10,000 years? Something nuts At that like point? That. What's crazy is before we watched this documentary, I didn't even know Dire Wolves were ever real. Oh, I thought yeah. they were like a myth that was made up. It was Game <laughs> of Thrones. Yeah, that's what I thought. They made it up. I don't think I'd ever heard of them until Game of Thrones. But yeah, dire wolves were, they were in fact a real species of wolf that used to live, and they're huge. They're hulking. Massive. Thing. They stand several, on the four legs, they stand several feet tall. Four or five feet. So as it's getting closer to them, they realize it's, it's huge, but it's not aggressive. It doesn't seem angry. No. It seems like a dog, yeah. inquisitive. It like just, it's coming up to greet them. Yeah, it walks up and lets the, uh, the husband pet it. Yeah, he actually reaches down and pets it. So it's a physical thing. Yeah. He's reaching down and he's petting it, and he's like, all right. Smells and like a mangy dog. It smells like a wet dog. And so he's even now thinking, okay, so which neighbor? Because there are neighbors around this ranch. Like yeah. Their property is huge. And outside of their property, there's other bigger properties in this basin. There are two immediate neighbors that are like almost just on the edge of their property. Right. So he probably um, he immediately thinks one of their dogs got out. This has got to be one of their pets. This is a huge animal, but it's got to be their pet because it's docile. Yep. And then their and then calf it, sticks its head it, out. It of notices the, the calves, yeah. and one of the calves sticks its head through the um, what are they called? The pin. Yeah. And it like reaches its head through the pin. The wolf does, and latches onto it, and starts like thrashing it about, it. and is trying to pull it through the bars. Yeah. And they're like, "Oh my god, it's gonna murder our calves! We yep. got to get this thing out of here." So at this point, you have to you have to understand. While most people in this situation would be terrified, right? I certainly would be with a huge wolf like that. These are cattle farmers that have been around animals their whole life. They've been raising cattle. They are very used to chasing off animals away from their cattle. Right. This is not something that scares the husband. And this animal has already come right up to him and let him pet it. So he already thinks it's a docile pet. So it sees the cattle and probably just gets rattled. Maybe it's hungry. So he's like, oh, I just got to get it away. He doesn't, he's not fearing for his life. No. He doesn't think it's going to harm him. It's no, already no. let him pet it. Right? Yeah, he grabs a stick and hits the yeah. dwarf to say, hey. So Back off. Yeah, he picks up a stick, trying to get it off the wolf, but it, the wolf off him, but the wolf's just not responsive. No. It's just keep going around. So he tells his son to go inside and get a gun. Yeah. His gun son comes back out with a magnum. 357 Magnum. This is a power gun. This is stop you in your tracks. Yeah. Like You're, you shoot this animal once, it's gonna die. Well, a wolf of this size, probably not, but that wolf is going to stop what it's doing. Yeah. So he gets the gun and he shoots it, and he's not far. No, he's, he's like, like feet fi- away. Fi- he's like 10 feet away or something like that from it. Yeah. He's right next to it, but I assume he turns around to meet his son to get the gun. Yeah. So then he turns back around, he aims up, he fires at the wolf, and it has Nothing. zero reaction. It so just keeps on. So he walks up a couple feet, shoots it again. Nothing. Walks up a couple feet more, shoots it again. And then the wolf's like, come on, bro. It's he like stops. The, it's like the fourth time he shoots it, the wolf stops what it's doing. It kind of looks at him. And it's like, what well, are you doing? Shoot, yeah, he shoots him three times with the three fifty seven, and the wolf stops. He lets go of the calf. No, no, he shoots him four times with that and two with the other one. It was a total of six shots, I thought. Right, yeah, and it was four with the magnum, because the fourth one was what makes him Oh, yeah, him you're right. I'm stop. sorry. It was four. Yeah. Yeah, it was four shots with the magnum, and the wolf finally releases the calf, turns and looks at him. No blood. Nothing. Nothing. The, the wolf doesn't yelp, doesn't move. It's, it's, sh- like, it's not even afraid. It's not even afraid. He get, shoots him four times. With a magnum. So he tells his son to go in the house and get his hunting rifle, which is a thirty out 6 Which will put that wolf down. You kill elk yeah. with a thirty out 6 Shoots it. It walks. Walks away. Yeah. It shoot, he shoots it with the, the uh, 30 the, out 6 30 out 6 rifle. And the wolf is like, all right, I guess it's time to leave. It just turns around and walks off. It's still... Not bothered. Not bothered. No blood? Yeah. Nothing. At this point now, it seems to just understand I'm a nuisance. Yeah. And I'm just going to leave. And it turns around to walk away. And as it's leaving, he shoots it again 
with the 30 out six. And this time he can hear the impact of the bullet and he sees like flesh come off out yeah. the other side it where actually, the bullet exits it. It actually makes the wolf stutter. Like it, it yeah. he tumbles over a little bit. And that bit. one is like, oh man, that got me. Yeah. And then it after that, it leaps. Yeah. But it doesn't even like it doesn't scurry off like no. a, a scared animal would. It just kind of picks up his pace a little bit and leaves. It just, so he goes to the tree line. I'm him pretty and his sure son go to follow it. Well, yeah, but I'm, I think the the wolf runs to the tree line or just kind of like fast walks. Yeah, it picks and up his pace, turns around, yeah. and looks at him like, "I'm sorry." Turns around again, <laughs> stares, <laughs> him, stares him down as they get closer to it, and then it turns off and it walks off from the tree line, and they follow it. Yeah, because this could be now a predatory animal on his property. He needs to get rid of it. He yeah. needs to get out of my property. And at this point now, he's probably going to kill it. Yeah. Because now he's like, I just pumped this thing full of six bullets and it didn't have a reaction to no. the last one. This thing needs to die before it kills someone in my family. Yeah. So they fall it on out. There's a small lake that's on this property. And as they get out to where the lake is, it's raining outside. So the wolf is leaving imprint tracks and they're following its imprint tracks. Right. You got to understand this is a rancher who has experience in this. He knows how to track and follow an animal. Yeah. So th- this is something I hear, and I'm like, there's no way. But then I'm like, oh, well, yeah, there's no way for me that's never had experience doing something like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know how to track an animal. This guy does. Yeah. And it wouldn't, honestly, for such a big animal yeah. in a soft ground because it's been raining, mm-hmm. like misting it's throughout the soft day. Soft clayish ground, so yeah. it's going to imprint right in. Imprint. Yeah. So, yeah. And these aren't little tiny dog paws. This is a dire wolf size thing. So it's, it's paw is probably the size of your hand. Huge. And it's leaving you in the ground. Yeah. And they get to the river bank. The like little lake bank, little yeah, little lake bank where the tracks should lead somewhere. Right, it should have to turn from the river bank and go somewhere and else. Go somewhere else, and, and they just, literally just stop. Yeah, it's just gone. That was weird, and they never saw that wolf again ever. They saw another wolf, and I don't remember if it was specific. If they said it was, it was the wife. same, it was his wife, but his wife saw, saw another wolf at another time with two other black dogs. Yeah, small black dogs that were with the wolf. Uh, on the ranch, there's only one entrance to get in to go to their homestead. Yeah. And it's just this long... Actually, there's only one entrance to the ranch, period. Yeah, like, only one entrance you can drive on. And it's this long, windy dirt road that goes all throughout the ranch. And when she was coming home one day, right at the entrance after she enters, there was a wolf off to the side of the trail with two smaller black dogs. But yeah. I, they, they never specifically said if it looked like the same wolf or not. No, they didn't. You know, because then now they're walking back up to the house. Right, after they lose the track. After they, they lose the they track. They go back. So they go back. He remembers where he saw that piece of flesh come flying off this dog. Mm-hmm. So they go, they find it, they pick it up. And it he said he describes it as being super old, mm-hmm. decaying flesh. Yeah. What? That's crazy. What is this thing? This is their first weekend. Their yeah. first or second day in this house and this happens to them. Yes. I move immediately. Yeah. I'm, I'm gone. See ya. This thing's just out here roaming on my 480-yard property or acre property. <laughs> I'm out. I'm leaving. Nope. I don't want this anymore. So the family goes on to have a lot of weird experiences after this for the next two years until they eventually sell the property. Yeah. Multiple cattle mutilations that seemingly happen out of nowhere. Yeah. They don't know what's going on, how or why. Uh, They see these bright lights all the time in the sky. They see UFOs all the time. And the UFO thing happens all the time in the basin. It's like a known thing for residents that live there. Oh, yeah. Almost everybody reports of seeing them. It's very common. They're not even, like, bothered by it much anymore. They just see them all the time. There's another UFO, guys. Exactly. And that's one thing that is documented and proven is there are pictures of this Skimwalker Ranch from a later group that came in and bought it um, in the late thousands, two thousand sixteen or yeah, seventeen, like, I believe. And this dude, like you don't know who he is, he dumped he a ton of money into research, deep pockets. Yes. He put some 
incredible security systems around. I think they do, they, have, they have like HD 4K cameras. I out mean, there and, and they've got some awesome pictures that you can see at the very end of the uh, documentary. documentary that is like, holy crap. Of UFOs and of saucers UFOs. in the sky. Yeah. So it's like documented stuff out yeah. there. Well, it's documented that there are odd objects flying around. We don't know what they yeah, are. Yeah, we don't know what That's they are. That's what UFO means. It doesn't inherently mean alien. Yeah, it's an unidentified, unidentified flying object. object. Right. Everyone just thinks... Alien. Oh, aliens, little green men. Which we, that's what we want it to be. So, <laughs> <laughs> essentially, yes. Please. That's what we want. So, they experience all these other weird events out there. Uh, they hear weird voices sometimes in the sky that sound like they're like right above them. They're distorted. They speak another language. There's all this, this crazy phenomenon that happens yeah. to them, right? Just they want you to be, whatever this is, they want you to be super uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. You, they, you are not supposed to be here. So, one of the, the there are two really weird events that happen to them. So while they're out there, you should talk about the the cattle. I'm about to. Yeah. What is the guy's name that bought it from him? B- uh, Bonglo, Bob something. Bonglo Bigelow. Bob B- Bigelow. Bob Bigelow. Bigelow. Two years after they bought the ranch, they sold it to Bob Bigelow. Before they sell it to Bob Bigelow, a team called Mufos or Mupon. Nids. No, no, no. Nids is Bigelow's. There's a team before that. Oh, okay. They came out there. It's the underfunded team, yeah. The underfunded team, they came out there to document stuff while they still lived there, and they just totally bungled it and left. Yeah, they, they think somebody, they gave him like a million dollars. And they just didn't know, what they, they didn't doing. know what to do with it, so yeah. they screwed the whole thing up. Yeah. Well, then Bigelow brought his first company before Nids, I believe. Yeah. He brought them out there, and they were out there for about a year. Didn't with, know what they were doing. With the family yeah. while they still lived there until the family sold it and moved away. So while these people were out here... Bigelow comes out and brings all these scientists and stuff. They set up a camp and they set up a base to like study all this stuff at Skinwalker Ranch. While they're out there, two really, really odd events happen. This is the NIDS team that you're going to talk about, right? Yeah, at this point, NIDS is out there now. Yeah, yeah. The Bigelow... But the family was is no, still living there. Yeah, the family's yeah. still living there. So Bigelow, he buys this ranch... Well, no, he hasn't bought it he yet. He hasn't bought it yet. They come out and start documenting first. Yeah. And so Bigelow brings a first team out there. Yeah, it's, uh, they're called then, NIDS. No, he brings a different team. He had a different uh, Bigelow Aerospace something. And he brought them out there and okay. then formed the NIDS. I'm pretty sure while he was out there, he created NIDS, yeah. which is national. It's something. It's something weird. But it's NIDS. He formed NIDS, I'm pretty sure, while he's out there. And he brings in all these top people. And they set up this whole camp and everything. And they're trying to do all this study. And their intention, like their purpose of being out there is to just document what's happening and see if they can figure out why it's happening, if it's even real or true, and what's going on. Right. right. So let's get back to what you're going to talk about before I rudely interrupted you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so by this point in time now, NIDS has been formed, and they are out there with the family that lives on the ranch, with the Sherman family. So I'm going to talk about the, the bulls first, because the other story is more interesting. Oh, yeah. The, the, the bull, uh, bulls are really interesting, too. These. So there's one day that um, the rancher and his wife are they're driving around the property and they're going to I believe the the east end or something uh to check on other animals on the other side of the property. Right. And as they pass around this one area on this bend is where they keep these four prized bulls. And these things are I think they're 2000 like thousands of dollars yeah worth of money yeah, and yeah. they're like a 1000 pound animals. Are they two they're, he said they were 2000 pound bulls. Four of them. Yeah. That two I'm of them were like Angus something and two were something else. Yeah. They were like prize bulls. They use yeah. these for the breeding purposes. Yes. Like these are, the, the ranch feels about these things. Yeah. They have to have them. You don't mess with these things. No. They're big and they're vicious. And they're angry. And they're very angry. They're bulls. Yeah. They don't want to be in this little, well not little, but they don't want to be in this little, um, what do they pin? call it? It's not called a it's, pin. It's not called a pin. It's called? called something else. Yeah, whatever. I don't remember. We're not ranchers. But it's the same thing. You get what I mean. A yeah. pin. So as they're driving around it, Terry says to his wife, it would be 
purely devastating if something happened to our bulls. If we lost our bulls, this entire thing is over. Like, we can't sustain ourselves. We can't make money anymore. Because at that point, they had them. lost, like, I think, what was it, 14? They'd, I think up to that point, they, yeah, they'd lost, like, 14 cattle at that point yeah. before they got there. Yeah. And then the next year that they lived there with Nidron, they lost another 12 yeah. before they eventually sold it and moved out. They just lost too much. Yeah. So, and by lost, they kind of mean, like, they just got mutilated. They have no idea what happened to them. Yeah. Yeah. They died. Yeah. So, and, like, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it takes a while to raise a cattle. Yeah. And they're not cheap. No, they're not cheap. So, losing... That many a year, that's devastating. So they say this as they drive around seeing the bulls and they drive off. And they're gone for about 45 minutes. 45, 45 minutes, minutes to, to an, an hour. hour. And then when they come back, as they're coming back around, they can see in the pen that the bulls aren't there anymore. No more bulls. They're like, oh, my God. So they jump out of the car. They come running around. The bulls are gone. They jump in the pen. They, they, they can't see them anywhere. And just out of like instinct. Yeah, let's paint you a picture real quick. You have this big pen here that, that the four bulls are in. Mm-hmm. There's the road. There's the road. You have your pin here where they have their four prize bulls. Let's say this on the right side. Yeah, on the right side. So on the left side, there's another pin yeah. that's like a gathering area for the cattle. Right. And then there's a pin next to that pin, but they're not connected. They're not connected. You can't go in between them. And in the middle of all three of these pins is oh, this. Oh, no, no, not all three. There's one on one side, two on the other yeah. side. Yeah. In the middle of these two pins, mm-hmm. there is a small trailer. Right. Where he keeps some tools and equipment and stuff. Well, it's also how you can herd the cattle in and out. Yeah, you can herd them in and out. But he doesn't use it for the bulls. No, no, he doesn't. So the pen, the trailer opens up from like a big main front door into the pen where they herd the cattle into the trailer out a much smaller opening in the side of it and then it's out into the whole property. Yeah. But they bring them from the property into this small door one by one and herd them into that pen to keep them there for a while. Right. But this is not where the bulls go. The bulls are on the other side of the road. Yes. So, for some reason, Terry just has this instinctual thing of like, I should check the trailer. So, he runs up to the trailer, and the front door has not been opened. No. It is very, it's like chained down and bolted. And like, it's very clearly it hasn't been used. Yes. And he's like, oh, damn it, man. So, he hops over the pen, and around the other side, the door to like get into it is like uh, a house door frame. It's not big and large. No. And it's open, always. It doesn't like close. Right. But inside, when he looks in, all four of the bulls are in here, crammed together, like shoulder to shoulder, shoulder to shoulder, pressed long ways, like horizontal and vertically pressed up against each other and against the walls. Yes. And they're all, he he said, it seems like they're in like a daze. They're not reacting to anything. They're just standing there. Yeah. They're tranced. Yeah. They're like in a trance. So he turns back around and calls out to his wife that he found them. And from how he describes it is when he called out to her, it's like it woke the bulls up from their days. And they immediately started freaking out because they don't want to be in here. Yep. And they start jumping all around. And it, it takes mere moments for them to destroy this trailer, right? Yes. Not destroy. is like they don't knock the walls down. But there's a, a back door that the he, people can use to enter. And they kick that freaking thing like off, off. the hinges. Yeah. So they had to replace it with another like wooden they door. Just put it, they just bolted up a it, wooden door It's bolted door wood there, over yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. It's not even a door anymore now. But they kick it off the hinges and everything. It takes Terry and his wife four hours to herd them just from there across the road back to their pen. When I say across the road, it's a small dirt road. It is 20 feet at most yeah. from where they are to across the road back into the pen they came from. Yeah, We're talking it's an hour took per bull it to took herd four them. hours to yeah. get them in there. Yeah, so They were only four, yeah. Yeah, four hours to do this. It only took, they were only gone from when they saw them to coming back 45 minutes to an hour. Somehow, Someone or something herded all four of these bulls into this little area that they don't want to go into and that this rancher has repeatedly stated would be impossible to get all of them into. 
Oh, it would like, be impossible. To make them go one yeah. by one, the bulls would not do it. No. They do not want to be in there. They don't be like being in small, confined spaces and not with each other cramped. Not it to would mention, not happen. there's a step up that yeah. they don't want to take that step. Yeah, it's not leveled to the ground. No. There's stairs to get into it. Yeah. And they're not going to do that. They don't want this. And somehow. They're not regular cows that you can just grab by like the little collar on them and just lead them with you. Yeah. The bulls not having it. No, no, no. So, yeah, that somehow, some way, something. And it seems like they just. They lifted these bulls up and over the pen into right. the other pen to get them inside of this mm-hmm. little trailer. What? It's crazy. So they call that like the trickery event. Yeah. It's like someone was playing a trick on them. Yeah. Who did it? How and why? And there's multiple, multiple instances of this trickery. Right. So when this happens, he calls one of the, the lead investigator from uh, NIDS. So Colin... Or that's not called Doctor or something. Yeah, I can't remember his but name. But anyways, this guy's all throughout the documentary. Yeah. And he was the lead investigator at the time. So he called Terry calls him. They come out, they inspect the trailer, and the front door, Terry's like, This door was not opened. When they go inside from the, the other entrance, yeah, and they inspect the front door, there are still cobwebs all along the door and in the corners and stuff to where it's never been opened before. Yeah, it's into the cobwebs like, are intact. Terry doesn't use this thing. It was there when they got there. When he bought the ranch, it was there. He doesn't use it. Yeah. He doesn't need it. Right? He has cattle on this farm, but, or this ranch. This is a huge property. He doesn't need all the structures that were already in place from the previous ranchers, right? Right. His ranch isn't, like, his amount of cattle aren't that large. So he doesn't use this area. And he freaking, it's still got cobwebs everywhere. It's very clear it was not opened. Since then, for, like, research and, like, the fair was going on, the scientists opened it a bunch of times. Right. But that day, that night when they got there and looked at it, it was clear it had not been opened. That's nuts. That's that's So somehow crazy. they were herded into that small little... That's like trying to get a bull in your front doorway. Yeah. Calmly. And then four of them. Calmly. They were yeah. calm. They were in a trance. They mm-hmm. were just sitting there like, I don't care what's going on right now. And then he screams. And they were like, oh, shit. <laughs> we're stuck <laughs> in here. They freak out. So then the most interesting story that happened to him. Oh, this Him and crazy. his nephew. Yeah. This one's his nephew? Uh, are you talking what about the... Wife? The cattle. The oh, calf. you're doing the cattle. Okay. So, yeah. No, I think that was his... Um, I think it's his wife. With the it's calf. his son. Is it he his has son? A, it was him, his son, and his dog, because his wife is in the house. Yeah, it was his, him and his right. son yeah, go yeah. out to tag a brand new calf that was born. Well, they're going to tag a bunch of them. They're going to tag a bunch of them. Recently born. Yeah. So they go out, and the closest calf is, you know. Like 50 feet from their front door. Yeah, it's 50, like 50 feet from the front door. So it's they, snowy outside. It's snow. It's, it's snowed there. It's a little mm-hmm. snowy. So It's I mean, not like everywhere. No, it's not everywhere, but I but mean. But it's, it's a snowy landscape, they said. Yes. He goes out there. He, and he tags that calf, which, if you don't know what that means, it means they pierce the ear and put a tag through it. And it's a big tag. It's a pretty, it's a big tag. And the so, calf is standing with his mother. Yeah, it's standing with his mother. And this is a big ranch, right? So there are areas of the ranch where the calves, uh, where the calves and the um, just the other cattle. cows, yeah, aren't in a pen at times. They're just out. They're just out roaming. They're just out roaming because the ranch itself is enclosed in, so they're not escaping the ranch. No. So they just let them roam at times. Yeah. So that's what they're doing. Free range. They're all out. Yeah, so free range. They're all just out there roaming around, and now he's got to go out and tag all the new calves. Yeah. So he tags this new calf. It's him. Like I said, him, his son, his dog. The next calf that they're going to go tag is, I believe they said, 400 yards away from that one. So they start walking. They get about, I think you said maybe like what, 300, 350 yards away, and their dog stops, turns, looks back in the direction that they came from at the calf that they had just tagged, 
and went ballistic. He wasn't like barking, but he was like growling, growling and he's, snarling. Yeah, he's in the His hair was all standing yeah. up. He's he's he sees something. Yeah. that's not supposed to be there. It takes off running in a different direction, to like the west to of the them. west of them. Never to be seen again. Yep, they, they never found that never dog. Never see the dog again. Yep. So they go running back towards the house, and they see the mom cow ballistic running in circles well she's running in like an arc they run in like an arc like she's running from where she originally was like to the left side all the way up to like the, where there's a fence yeah and then she's running back just like in this and half circle arc and dragging her one of her legs she's like injured injured yeah so they get back he calms down i think it's a heifer like calms yeah, down calms on the, heifer. The, ca- the cow it's like you it's yeah. a heifer yeah it's, it's big it's me yeah it's I'm big, huge. a big heifer <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it's out of breath it's clearly in distress it's got a Broken or injured leg, mm-hmm. and then they go back to the spot where the calf which was is at. Not far, which isn't far from where a few yards, a few feet yeah. away from where this is. This calf that they literally just tagged, not even thirty to it, forty-five minutes ago. It was it was probably like from the time that he tagged it and walked away to when they got back was about forty-five minutes total. Yeah, so total. they walked for about twenty minutes. The dog freaked out. They turned around. They took twenty minutes to walk back. Yeah, this calf is laying on the ground, perfectly. Arms, well, arms, I guess legs, yeah, all four legs spread out, out and like it on its stomach. Surgically mutilated. Surgically. And to top it all off, no blood. There was anywhere. no blood on the snow anywhere. There was no blood, no extra blood out on the calf's uh, like fur or skin. Well, not fur, but on its skin. Yeah. You can One see of pictures. Of, femurs. You can see pictures of the calf online. Yeah. It has been cut to the point that it's literally a spinal cord. Yeah. It's four it's legs, flayed. a head, and then it's like butt and its tail. Yeah. It looks like nothing. Nothing it's is a, there. It's a, it's twigs. It's look, it, what the way they described it is that it, it went to a butcher shop and they professionally removed every ounce of meat from that. Yep, cat from that cat. Or it was like a machine meticulously moved, like removed everything. Yeah, because it. it was, and also its ear that had the tag on had been sliced, sliced off. off. Precision, like a very clean cut, like it had been done with a scalpel. Right. So when Terry sees this, he calls Nids. Yeah. And they come they're, immediately. They're on vacation in Las Vegas. For, yeah. For the weekend. For the it's weekend. Like one of the rare times. But a four person team gets there within a couple like, hours. Very soon. Within yeah. a few hours, they get there. I don't even think it was that long. I think it was, it was like an hour. Yeah. I think, yeah. And they get there real soon. And they start inspecting the scene. Terry doesn't move anything. So this cattle is, this calf, they said it has been meticulously cut apart. They, yeah, they, it they, wasn't cut, a, they themselves cut off pieces of it, yeah, and they send it to three or four different separate labs, unknowing from each other, to try to get results back. And all the results come back about like pretty much the same, and say that it was one hundred percent cut into with very sharp blades. Yeah, metallic and, items with metallic items. Yeah, that's what it was with metallic items and uh, meticulously and extremely accurately carved apart. And not very far away from when, like, this was before the the Nids team shows up, is when they were first initially seeing this mutilated cattle. One of its femurs was ripped out, like it got ripped out and thrown and thrown. So it's like a few, like five, six feet away. Yeah, you can't just rip a femur femur out. A lot of strength. Yeah. So and they did some tests too. It wasn't only just the Nids team; they brought in some. um, some Nids themselves brought in outside researchers to also test this stuff too. Yeah, it was like animal. um, Yeah, animal experts and stuff. Yeah, they they came in, they looked at it, and they were just trying to analyze see what's going on. I mean, there's no blood. There's no blood anywhere to be found. They did blood tests too of that exact land. Yeah, of pouring blood on the ground to see how long it would take it to seep into the ground, and it was still there days after. Days after. So So it's like it was like 
like a UFO came over while they were walking away, lifted this animal off the ground, took it to a different location, mutilated it, and then brought it back and laid it down. Mm-hmm. And they said the way it had like been, a ritual. Yeah, the way it had been laid out was very ritualistic. That's, That's insanity. Crazy. And that wasn't the only instance of ca- uh, cattle mutilation. I mean, no. it happened that all was, But that was the, the only time. one where like they saw the calf, and then 30 minutes later it was done. Yeah. Like 45 minutes later, like whatever it was, it, it had happened. Like All the other times that I'm aware of, there would just be... Going up to check their calves that day or their, Just, their, yeah. the cattle, and then some, one of them got mutilated and, and was dead. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, another one's gone. Yeah. And, I mean, there's no animal alive. The researchers also said that, too. Like, the animal experts said there is not a, pre- a four-legged predator animal on the planet that can do what the, what is done here. Yeah. It's no, impossible. Nothing. Which is just crazy. That's nuts. So, and they're like, fuck this. Yeah. So We're selling the place. They sell the place to Bob Bigelow, and they move. For a mere, okay. For $200,000. $200,000. They, <laughs> they just wanted out. They gave this ranch away. Yeah. 460 acres is a lot of land. I'm sure the big lows were paying them to allow them to come research there for the year they were oh, there. Oh, I'm sure. They had to have been. Yeah, but I mean. But still, he wasn't making money. No. The family was, was losing enough money and having enough of a bad experience that they left yeah. and sold it. And it's just trickery, like a lot of the instances where we're, um and these things were happening before the Bigelow's came there let me be clear about oh, that oh yeah before Bigelow's people came there they experienced these things for a year yeah and then I guess started talking about the people Bigelow found out and brought his they allowed him to bring his team and stay there yeah yeah there there's just a lot of going back to the trickery part like it's like a like they describe it as a poltergeist like a, a trickster. Yeah, the like, Sherman family very much believed that it was like paranormal activity. It was paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. It was like a portal to another realm. That's how like the wife described it. Yeah, she described it as a portal to another world. They would see these bright lights in the sky all the time. Like they would see UFOs, but they would also see these bright lights in the sky. Uh, and sometimes they'd see them in sometimes when they're sometimes when they were going around to the other homesteads to check on stuff. Right. They would see lights in the homestead, like moving around in really odd, like erratic ways, and then they would like dart off. Yeah. There was one time where the wife claims to have seen a yellow light form and just appear in the sky, right? Like as she, an area she happens to be looking up at, it just forms there from small and it gets bigger. And as it's getting bigger, it becomes like, I think they said like white light, but it gets yeah. bigger and it gets big enough to where she's like looking through it. Yeah. And in the hole she's looking in, in the sky, the sky on the other side of that hole is different. It looks like she's looking through a window to another realm, is what she said it looks like. Yeah. So it was really weird. Right. So this is where we get into like conjecture stuff, right? Like, did that really happen? I don't know. But that's nuts. That's crazy. So they move out. Bigelow's people come in. They stay there. Bigelow's people studied this place for about 10 years. Yeah, it was a decade. The first year and a half, they had like a ton of instances happen to them. And they started to wane as time went. And this yeah. is where that intelligence, uh, the PSI thing came from, the precognitive, what was it? Precognitive sensory intelligence or something like yeah. that. This is where the, the one of the head scientists there coined that term because it seemed like these events were connected because they never repeated each other. They never happened where they thought they were going to happen. They never happened in a line of sight to be documented by cameras or by um, pictures, right? Video right. or picture cameras. And they happened in different areas all the times. Like, nothing was the same about them. And they happened to, like, almost everyone that worked there. Yeah. Almost everyone that worked there had an experience. And pe- some people had multiple experiences that were different experiences. But they tapered down. It was almost like these new people showed up, and they started getting messed with by whatever was out there. And then it was, like, aware that 
they were trying to catch it in the act and document it. So it became less and less over time and like moved to different areas. Right. And then over time, they just stopped having weird experiences. Like they got really. It died out in like 2000. It like died out for them. Yeah. Yeah. So then Bigelow eventually in 2016, after, after like, well, it didn't die out. It just got very, they very, got very more, very, much more scarce yeah. in like 05, but they still maintained there until 2014. Yeah. And no, they still it, saw events. They were just more spaced out. Yeah. So then Bigelow sells it to an, a shell corporation to an unknown buyer yeah. in 2016 who has since come in and dumped a ton of money into the research, into setting things up. They have paramilitary troops out there now. Yeah. The place is now closed and locked off. You are not allowed to go in there. But it, research is still allowed. Like researchers well, can still go there, but guy the general works, public, the guy that owns it, his research team can obviously be there. Well, yeah. But you used to be able, to, like, when it was owned by um, Bigelow, Bigelow and uh, Nids, they would allow people to come out there, like, and yeah, experience. I, you it. probably couldn't just show up and like knock on the gate, like, "Hey, I'm here to have an experience." But you could contact them, and they would let you come out. Yeah, right. And give you like a guide and a tour and everything. And that's not possible now. You're no, not allowed to do that. No, anymore. no, no. The only people that I'm aware of that were allowed to come out was Jeremy Corbell and his team to make this documentary. Yeah. Other than that, ever since it's been bought, you're not allowed to go there anymore. Yeah, and this guy's completely anonymous. Mm-hmm. Imagine being Jeremy, you know, and knowing who he is because they yeah. they have they interview this new owner at towards the end of the documentary, it's and, and it's from neck down, yeah. and it's a distorted voice, and he's yeah, he's wearing all black, it's from yeah. neck down, he's got a distorted voice, and you never get to see his face, yeah. And then there's footage of him out there on the property walking around with Corbell and his team yeah. and some other paramilitary guys, and you never see his face out there. And then, oddly, the musician, Robbie Williams, is there for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why <laughs> he's there. I guess he's really into this stuff, yeah, or at least into Skinwalker. Yeah, their their I equipment. Bet Robbie, I bet Robbie Williams helped funded this documentary. He probably did. That's probably why he's out there. You know, yeah, because they're the new equipment that this uh, this new owner brought out it's there. Top of the line top tech. Top of the line tech. I mean, they have every probably square inch of that ranch Monitored. is under yeah. surveillance. I they, mean, they have drones they have quite, out there. They, yeah, they most definitely have drones flying around at all times. This dude's got deep pockets, so they probably have satellites like pointed at, it, pointed and stuff, at yeah. it. They've got some incredible 4K quality pictures of awesome UFOs. Yeah. We, you don't know. One it's of them amazing. literally looks like if you're watching Star Wars and you see the Millennium Falcon it, turn and take off, it, it looks, looks kind of like that. It looks like the back end of the Millennium Falcon, like the, the blue arc. lights. Yeah. yeah uh, it, Friggin' awesome. They even say that in the documentary, like, yeah. oh, Millennium Falcon. And the guy showing the picture was like, as close as, probably, as, close as we'll probably ever get. <laughs> yeah. But I want to go back. I want to talk about the creepiest story. Is it with the portal? Yes. Yeah, okay. That's what so I was going to do. after the family moves out, and while Nid is there, they, uh, they walk around at night all the time. And they have to use night vision goggles to see. It's like pitch dark out there, right? And they don't put up a lot of yeah. lights. No. So there's one night where there are two different people out there they're like together on, on, together and yeah. they're patrolling on not patro- well i guess patrolling yeah it's know. patrolling they're, they're more or pa- less. Pa- patrolling along the the driving path right? yeah one of them is wearing night vision the other one's wearing infrared vision right as they're walking out there they see this yellow light form out of nothing yeah, it just materialized about four feet off the ground on the path on the driving path yeah like, when i say driving path this is literally dirt it's just a dirt road just been like outlined with tire marks over time yeah and like cleared out of brush like it's literally just a path yeah and it's the only path on there that's drivable yeah well it was there may be more now that that well, there's, yeah there's more now but this is the main this is the entrance. main path and yeah yeah this is so the main road there's light forms and smallish at first it's not very small it's probably a foot or two in diameter and it starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and, and they, 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 they said both it gets see about, it yeah they both see it they said it gets about Four, like four or five feet, four or five in feet diameter. in diameter around, which is 
large. That's big. That's pretty big. And the guy in night vision says once it gets that big, it becomes almost white lightish, just yeah. like the wife said. And he can see when he puts oh, when he puts the night vision on. They don't he doesn't have it on at first. No. He puts the night vision on the other when they start seeing the light themselves, they put the other goggles on to see if they can see more. Yeah, night vision and infrared. And infrared. So the guy with night vision, when he puts them on to see this the this the orb. diameter and everything of it, this orb, he can see in like it's three dimensional now. Yeah. When he puts he, night vision on, it's a three dimensional long tube. Yeah, he can see before it, after it, and under it. And what what Corey and means that, by that is he can see past it. Yeah, so he like can the see trees past and it. dirt and yeah. everything beyond. It's not obstructing his view other than the, the space it occupies. Uh, yeah. And it's like this long tube. And Get ready for this. Get ready for he's this. He's like looking into the tube with the night vision. So I don't think he's seeing anything in the tube. It's like a long tube and darkness. Yeah. Inside it. Well, the guy with infrared still only sees it as oh. a yellowish light that's getting that, that got larger. Yeah. Right? So out of the tube, these two black, like, arm-looking things come out of it, right? Imagine if you yourself were crawling through a hole, a trench or yeah. a hole. And to get out, that's how, that's how this happens. Imagine yeah. how you would get out. You would put your arms out first and then pull yourself through. Your elbows come out. You're yes. pulling yourself mm-hmm. out of this. That's exactly what happens. And this figure Pulls itself out and stands upright. And the guy estimates it was about eight foot tall. Eight foot tall. It was slender and fully black. It yep. had no features. It no was features. Sleek. It had no neck. It was just yes, head, right. shoulders. It was bipodal suit. head, shoulders, and legs, and arms. And it, then it turned and just walked off into the darkness. Yeah. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> That's when I quit my job. Yeah, I'm out. See you later. Like, well, you have fun with patrol rust. This is why it's home. called Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> Which is nuts. Oh, we should probably explain that. So Skinwalker is uh, like a, a mythical kind of creature that is supposed to be a shapeshifter. Right. That can take shape and it torments things. Right. Like in, the- at the very, like, one of the boundaries, I think, of the ranch, there's this hill area, like this mountainous kind of ridge area that's all gravel and clay. Yes. Yeah. And um, the... The native Indian tribe. Yeah, what, what is it? Called? I can't remember the Indian tribe, but that's like... I thought, that- I thought they called the, the Unital, the, the Utes or the unit. It's probably the, U- the Utes or something like I think that. so. Regardless, I'm not trying to be like insensitive. Right. But yes, the, the Native American tribe that resides there now say that that area, that stretch of land right there, is the path of the skinwalker. Right. And that's where like a ton of otherworldly weird experiences have happened to like people of the tribe. And it's like not forbidden to go there, but it's heavily scrutinized. Like, yeah. And they... The tribe, they do not do it. No, Even they like don't to do this it. day, they do not like going to the area. They do not cross and travel over it. And that area is right on the ranch. It's like part of it, I believe, is in the ranch. It's, and, a, it's part and of the it ranch. And it extends out beyond the ranch. Yeah. And so that's called Path of the Skinwalker. That's how I got the name Skinwalker Ranch because part of the property resides on that area. Yeah. So back to this portal <laughs> yeah. to another realm of which is probably hell. <laughs> <laughs> this thing, this eight-foot bipodal creature crawls out of this thing looks around and then just walks away the guy with the night vision sees all this the guy with the infrared does not exactly so to me i actually paused it when they said this and Corey and i talked about this for a minute to me that is that's really weird right it's interesting that you would put on night vision and not only would you see better at night and you see better light, obviously. That's yeah. what night vision, night vision is. it draws, it draws in, in all, all the, light. the light around you. So it's interesting that he puts on night vision and he sees another dimension of it. It is now not just an 
an, uh, an orb that's expanded in diameter. It looks like it's an orb that's hollow and it's a tunnel. Yeah. Right? So he's seeing, it's gathering more light than his visible eyes can see. So he's seeing more. And then he sees a figure come out of it. Well, the guy with the infrared on doesn't see anything because there's no heat signature anywhere. Yeah. So the figure that crawls out, there's no heat signature. There's no heat signature, heat signature to the tunnel. So he doesn't see any of that. So it's existing on a wavelength of light on its own, right? Right. A wavelength of light that the night vision is picking up on like not another plane of existence because night vision doesn't let you see another plane of existence, but it's existing on a specific wavelength of light right? that infrared didn't pick up and that your eyes don't pick up. God, just that Like that you thought. only pick up from your eyes the glowing orb. And the infrared doesn't pick up anything else because there's no heat. There's no heat to it. Yeah. And you see, and you turn on your night vision and you see the demon mm. come crawling out of this portal. That's nuts. And that's, that's why they, they say that this, this place is a portal to another realm mm-hmm. because of all this crazy stuff. And, and like, and, and we're, uh, I mean, we're not even getting anywhere. We could probably talk about this on for hours. There's so much stuff. There's like instances of them. Um, chopping wood and leaving it here and they're going on to lunch and they come back and this wood is no longer here but a hundred yards in the other direction. Their tools go missing. This guy's post hole diggers go missing. He can't find them for days. He goes and buys a new set of post hole diggers, comes back, looks up. They're in a tree, 40 or 50 feet up in this tree, perfectly balanced up there. Like it's just, we're not... Someone was using a chainsaw at one time and it disappeared from their grasp and appeared like a hundred yards away on the ground. Still, is that what it was? Is still that on, I think, is what it was, too. Okay, I, I didn't realize. found I didn't, it. It was, like, using it. Well, maybe it wasn't from his hands. It was in use. So maybe yeah. he, like, set it down. Yeah, he set it maybe down. Maybe that's what it was. He was using yeah. it, set it down. It disappeared, and he could hear, like, the sound off in the distance, off in the I distance. guess. And he went to go get it, and, like, <laughs> the train's all, like, 100 yeah. yards away now. Yeah, like, and the, the wife, before they sell the ranch, she's in the shower. She gets to take, oh, to take a shower. Oh, this is the worst. Yeah, she goes and takes a shower. She, she puts all, all her... Go ahead. I thought you were going to leave this part out. Go. I would I would have described it to start the story, but yeah, go 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 ahead. No, no. go because I already forgot it. <laughs> okay, before she gets in the shower, she takes like her hairpin out and her hairbrush and stuff. Yeah, gets her hairbrush out and she puts all that stuff like on the counter. And she locks the door and she every locks the time door. that yeah. she takes a shower. Obviously, because weird stuff happens while she lives out here. So she's like, yeah, not 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 on my watch. Yeah. So she goes and takes a shower. She gets out. All her stuff is gone. The door's unlocked and the stuff is somewhere else. No, the door's still locked. That's right. The door's still locked yeah. and the stuff is just somewhere else in the it's house. Gone. Yeah. Like she'll be cooking, her utensils are right here. She turns around and does something. She turns back around, her utensils are not there, and she opens the microwave, and they're in the microwave. Or they're in the freezer. Or the freezer. Or the fridge. Yeah. There was one time she said she came home with a bunch of groceries. She put all the groceries up, and like the bags are on the table or whatnot. She walks out of the room, to like maybe put something else away or to do something. Comes right back in, all the groceries are back in the bags on the table. Like what? That's when I'm like, all right, well, that's time to leave. Yep, <laughs> we're selling this ranch right now. Oh, dude, I'd have left after the, after the direwolf. <laughs> nah, the direwolf. That's that can just be kind of like. Something, something's playing tricks on my eyes or my mind. That that when all three members of your family see it, no, I'm good. They were all standing outside. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, like, you shot it. Nothing happened. No, I'm leaving because that huge wolf lives on my property. No, no, I'm out. (laughs) He was not. He just wanted a meal. (laughs) He was like four or five foot tall. (laughs) I'd befriended him. I'm I'm like, hey, bro, you're mine now. I'm gone. (laughs) (laughs) That's enough for me already. (laughs) Like, oh, dire wolves, they're back. I'm out. (laughs) But yeah, that. I mean, there's so much stuff. You, if you, if you're interested in this, you need to watch the documentary because we're. It's I mean, we could good. literally talk for three hours on this. Yeah, we're just touching on some of the crazy things, mm-hmm. and it's not just the people who have bought and lived on this ranch. It's, it's all the researchers it's that came. Everybody had an experience. Everybody. Well, I shouldn't say every single person that went there had an experience, but from the research team, there was like 
and and a insane large amount, amount yeah. of people that had these experiences. And it's not just the ranch; it's the entire town. That had, yeah, well, the entire town sees like UFOs and yeah. stuff like that, and like these weird light. There's a ton of stories. Oh yeah, where like in the middle of the night, light just flicks on like a light switch, brighter than the sun, and illuminates everything around. Yeah, there was once that happened to the family on the ranch, where it lit up the entire ranch as far as their eye could see right lit up everything like someone had flipped the light on the sun in the middle of the night and turned the sun back on but it wasn't yellowish light it was white bright light like the sun gives yeah and then happened for a couple seconds went away and this happened to a bunch of people throughout, a bunch of people. throughout, like throughout the basin they interview this one lady and i mean it's a real her story is really sad very sad but it's like how much is it true? that or is yeah. it something else but yeah. like she it was her her son and her neighbor friend were out on her property and they had i think they had cattle as well and they got out and it's pitch black outside so they're like okay she's like my first thought is grab my flashlight shine it slowly through the trees so i can see eyeballs if i see eyeballs i know where they're at so she does that doesn't see anything she's like okay let's just listen they're in there i think they're in their truck so like let's just listen they sit there they listen they don't hear anything and all of a sudden that bright white brighter than the sunlight shines through their truck and apparently it the the neighbor guy it burns his face this this light it burns his face he runs to the creek washes his face his face is red and then he dies of cancer and her son is in the truck too he sees all this he's 30 years old now now when this documentary comes out came out in 2018 he was 30 years old and he has been diagnosed with multiple uh, ms multiple sclerosis which he didn't have previously which he did not have previously and nobody in his history of his family has had any kind of cancer so and Jeremy asks them too if they think that it's connected, and the mom thinks says that it could be, but the son doesn't think it is at all. No, yeah, she she he doesn't think the MS and the cancer is connected to the white light, but she yeah, thinks it's she possible. She thinks it's possible, and yeah. one of her things was like, "Is this another entity? Is this another life form? Is this aliens, or is this our own government like messing with messing us. with Do, us and doing and, some kind of experiment, and testing new weaponry mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that?" Which she and she and he asked her like, "Well, what do you think? Do you think it's this or that?" And she, I think it's. Aliens. Yeah, I yeah. think it's something otherworldly. It's something otherworldly. Yeah. It's nuts, dude. No, this, this, Skinwalker Ranch is just insane. Dude, it is crazy. It's so crazy. <laughs> it's so interesting, man. So, so uh, freaking interesting. Yeah, and Jeremy Corbell, he knows how to make a documentary. Yeah, he does. But, man, he bloated this one a bit. The he Bob did. Lazar one was so tight. Oh, it was like, really tight. Very tightly paced. It was very well. But he bloated the beginning of this one. Like, he's almost like he's trying to beat you off the head with, I'm about to show you some really cool stuff. Yeah. It's like, well, just like, show it to me. Come we on. We get it, dude. Like him and George Knapp talk for way too long in the beginning of it. Yeah. But it has the exact same intro to the Lazar one. I guess that's like just his intro for his company. Right. For a second, I thought, did they put Lazar's on here and just title it wrong? <laughs> I was about to get real upset. <laughs> so all of this, this craziness, right? This Skimwalker Ranch stuff. It, it leads into this fleeting thought I've had a lot of times throughout my life, right? Right. And let me preface this by saying, what I'm about to say is not like an endorsement of an opinion by me. I do not, this is not the way I view the world, and this is not like what I think is factual. But it's a fleeting thought that I've had before that I expanded upon greatly after the documentary ended, Corey and I sat there and talked for a little while, and I expanded upon this thought a lot, which I never really have done in this manner before. And I just think it's, interesting to think about it's, right it's hard to swallow like it's i hard really to had to sit there and think like that's deep it's hard to swallow and it's very conspiratorial very very and that's why i'm uh, like i'm not trying to create a new conspiracy here and if this already is one i don't know about it so it's like that's not what i'm doing so 
We know certain things about the universe and about life and about everything. We know certain things are facts. We know that math, math, that math, math, math. Oh, oh, Stop oh. interrupting me, Corey. <laughs> we know that mathematics is universal. We know it's, it's an all-encompassing universal language because it can be tested and proven and the same results met time after time after time after time. And that's what makes a fact, right? Right. Something that we can document and see happen consistently. And science is rooted and based in mathematics, right? Right. That's how they prove a lot of things. It's through math equations. So we know these things are true. That's a basis of reality and fact. How do we know that other things that are not based on that fundamental fact of reality are true at all? And by that, what I mean is, one thing that came to my mind was there is there's this thing that is called like mass delusion, where a whole lot of people, or even just a few people, can experience the same thing simultaneously, and it's not real. Their mind all saw the same thing. Their mind all had the same chemical reactions. Their eyes all perceived the same images, and they all got the same feelings. And it's called a mass, I believe mass delusion or mass hysteria is what it's called. How do we know that's true? How do we know it is a mass delusion? How do we know it's a delusion? How do we know that a long time ago, or how do we not know that a long time ago, a few people figured out these paranormal extra normal activities they figured out something that is true and that is real and they're like well people don't they can't know this or maybe they're instructed that people can't know this and they formed a foundation of a lie and then psychology and the way the mind works and all these other studies came from the root of something that wasn't true that was purported to be true and then everything else formed around this lie and the lie was a basis of fact that was taken as fact but it's not true and then everything else trickled from there. Because it can't be proven. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of things that have to do with the mind like that can't be factually proven, right? They can be tested in certain, and a lot of it can be proven. A lot can be tested and, and achieve the same results. But there's so much individualism and uniqueness to the human mind and the brain that it can't be, right? Right. So how do we know when, they, when anybody tells us certain things that it's true or not? We believe them because they're a doctor or because it's multiple doctors. But how do we know the basis of what they're learning, of what they're being taught, isn't rooted in a falseness? We don't know that. We don't. Yeah. There's no way to know that. You can easily dismiss what I'm saying and be like, oh, because someone would know. They would have figured it out. Would they? Would they have? And it also makes me think about the government. It makes me think about a lot of people don't think that conspiracies can exist and that the government could keep a mass secret with a whole bunch of people because someone is always going to talk because the allure of knowing something someone else doesn't know is greater than the allure of keeping that information in, right? Right. Like you want people to know, oh, I've got this secret. They're interested in me now. I got attention. But if someone believes the secret is important enough to keep or they feel close enough to it, they will keep it. A prime example is this documentary. This new guy that bought this ranch, there have to be 100 people that work on those grounds. At minimum. At minimum, there's 50 in my estimation. There's got to be. Paramilitary groups, there's a bunch of scientists. He's got a whole company that works there. And then Jeremy Corbell's team that came in to document it, every one of those people knows who this guy is. They all know what he looks like. Not one person has come out and been like, hey, here's my credentials. I work here. That's who the owner is. Do you know why they haven't done that? Because they all know a secret they believe in. 
Right. And they want to keep it because they believe it's important to keep it secret. That's powerful. Yeah. There could easily be a couple of people that know something that keep that secret. There could be a lot of people that know something and keep that secret very easily. So again, it makes me ask, how do we really know what's true and what's not true about everything, about anything? There are people that legitimately believe Scientology is real. That is their religion. 100% this is a fact. That this book is how the universe works. L. Ron Hubbard, it is reported by multiple people and sources, wrote the book of Scientology on like a dare almost to see if he could create a religion. He created a fucking lie and people believed it and rooted it in fact. Now that's far different than something like learning about how the mind works or learning about anything. How do we not know that one person didn't realize, oh shit, sugar causes cancer. That is what causes it. But we can't fucking tell people that because we make too much money off sugar. So then they released all oh, these other 500 things cause it. Oh, everything causes cancer. We just don't know what it is. But we do know. Yeah. How the fuck do we not know that doesn't happen? How do we not know that someone or some people don't know? Because that's a secret they would want to keep to keep making money. Exactly. How do we know anything? It's like at this point in time, how do you believe anything anyone tells you and know it's true unless you've experienced it yourself? And even then, how do you know it's even true? The world is a fucking mystery. And it's at once irritating and wondrous. That's a mind fuck. It is. It's a mind fuck. It is. God. (laughs) How do we know what is and what isn't true? Just how do we know? How do we know? We know because some people told us. And we believe them because they did a whole lot of studying on something that we didn't study ourselves. They have a PhD. They have this. They have that. Not saying they're, they're not validated. But how do we know that what they learned wasn't based on a lie. Yeah, if you're going, you're that going a to whole the top. lot of quote unquote facts were pulled from and pulled around that lie to make that lie seem true by a conglomerate of people that were like, they can't know this, so here's what we tell them. But wouldn't that UFOs are a known proven thing now? It is. It is no longer a theory that UFOs exist. It is a documented, factual thing by hundreds, if not thousands, of evidence of cases, and by gov- by the government and by high level. Scientists and researchers and very credible sources. It is a fucking fact. And for a long time, high-level people in the government claimed it was all BS. They weren't real. They're a hoax. There's nothing to them. And they themselves have even been studying them. And that's been proven too. You can find all this information at the click of a finger on Google. We're not sponsored by them. No, God, I'm just saying. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) But you can find all the information easily. So they lied monumentally. And then based what they claimed were truths and facts around a lie. UFOs don't exist. We don't know what they are. And then a lot of other facts they claimed were facts came out from that lie. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. The lie was that they aren't true. They are true. They knew they were real. Yeah. They flood. There's a couple of stories that come out that that make it seem like it's true. So they're going to flood the market with lies Mm -hmm. to cover it up. With misinformation. Yeah. Misinformation is the quickest, most effective, and easiest way to get a person and or a group of people to not believe something. You surround what seems to be true with a whole lot of stuff that is easily disproven and that by association disproves the true thing. It disproves the fact. It makes it no longer a fact. The easiest way to do it. All governments do that. Right. Throughout the history of time. 
It's just how it works. It's unfortunate, but that's how misinformation works. Also gives me a good idea for what we should talk about in another episode is the misinformation of Russia. <laughs> oh, God. I don't you know, know what I'm talking about you when I say that? With the Russian infiltration and the, uh, like, supposedly the Russian infiltration of, like, America from, like, the 70s and 60s. Oh, like the Cold War? It has, it, it spawned from that. Well, that. We can talk about it some other time. We'll, we'll have to look at it more. But anyways, it just reminded me of that. Yeah. But yeah, so that's just leaves me with that question of how do we know it's real? How do we know anything is real? And on that note, don't forget to like and comment on our podcast. If you have any ideas for future ones, throw it in the comment section. We go through, read them, see what you guys want to listen to. Give us some juicy five-star ratings. They help us move up in the rankings so that more people can see our podcast and listen to it. And tell all your friends about it because we're the best podcast in the world. In the world. In any realm or universe or reality. Fuck Joe Rogan. (laughs) 